We're going to continue the study that we began a few weeks ago called Empowered, the Spirit-Filled Life. And we're talking about the fact that God uh, intends for our relationship with Him and our um, Christian life, our Christian faith journey to be more than just theology and doctrine. Look, nobody uh, is more committed to a thorough scholarly, uh, dedicated uh, approach to the study of God's Word than me. But it's more, you know, this, our, our life in Jesus has to be more than that. More than just knowing a lot of stuff about God, about the Bible. That is insufficient as far as I'm concerned and as far, clearly as far as God is concerned. Knowing stuff about him is not the same as having his power coursing through my life in a way that changes me and changes those around me. And that's the kind of life God intended for us to have. And it's the kind of life we read about in the book of Acts, which is the story of the birth and expansion of the church, where a handful of people gathered in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, a, a Jewish feast day, when the city was bulging with pilgrims who have come to celebrate that uh, Israeli holiday, that Hebrew holiday. There's a handful of, of followers of Jesus in an upper room that experienced the coming upon of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, when that happens, you will receive power. And from that day forward... Man, the narrative of the book of Acts is like amazing what these people experienced and how that handful of people literally changed the whole world. I want I look, I want my life in Jesus to look like that. And so often in the past it hasn't. Maybe that's true for you too, but we're asking God to change all that. We want to be a church that is spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. And I know that's why you're here today. Because you do too. And so we've been talking about this power source. The Holy Spirit. We talked about who he is, what he's up to, where he is. We talked about the, what, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what that means that was experienced by those uh, that handful of believers on the day of Pentecost and then throughout the, the pages of the book of Acts as the gospel spreads to more and more people with each expansion, there are uh, a di every, the people who come to faith in Christ are also filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, so we talked about what that means and how to receive it. And then I told you in the beginning we were also going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit, those uh, supernatural enablings of the Spirit, the, those things that he wants to distribute through us as believers to those who have various needs. And uh, I, I, we, I told you we would be looking at the book of Acts and at 1 Corinthians because it is in 1 Corinthians beginning at chapter 12 where these nine gifts of the Spirit are uh, enumerated for us. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy... Uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, healings, and miracles. And we want to uh, uh, allow the Holy Spirit not only to fill us and overflow us with his power, but to begin to use us in amazing, miraculous ways, the ways we read about in the book of Acts. And that 
involves the gifts of the Spirit. Now, some people have this idea that the gifts of the Spirit are like this, like God has this big bucket of, you know, spiritual gifts, and he just kind of goes around and capriciously says, well, you know, I'm going to give you this one. I'll give you that one. Or, and and you'll be, uh, you don't get one, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and we imagine that if you are lucky enough to get one of these gifts of the Spirit, that, you know, you have this one and you are the steward of it. That's really not a biblical way of thinking about it. The gifts of the Spirit are more like a toolbox. Oh, the whole package you, if you're, a, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living within you. He has all of these gifts. And the, gift, uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit are not for me, they're for those that the Lord wants to dispense the gift through. I'm, you and me, we're like the UPS guys. We just deliver the package. It takes some of the pressure off, right? I don't have to have, quote, quote, have the gift of healing. I get sometimes to be able to give away a gift of healing to someone who is sick. The person who is healed of their sickness is the person who receives the gift of healing, not me. All I got to do is show up and say, God, if you don't do something, nothing's going to happen. But he often does, right? More times than, than uh, we want to acknowledge, he, he is faithful. So we are saying, Lord Jesus... Overflow us with the power of your spirit and help us to learn how to be better at delivering these amazing gifts to the people in need. People who need a word of wisdom. People who need to hear your voice through a word of prophecy. People who need healing. You with me? You ready to go farther on this journey? Anybody? I'll do it by myself, but I mean, you know, be happy to have some of you come along. So today, uh, last week, we began to talk about these gifts of the Spirit and these nine gifts of the Spirit. I grouped them in three groups. The power to communicate, the power to understand, and the power to change things. And we, the first three gifts in that grouping, the power to communicate are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Last week we talked about tongues. Today we're going to begin to talk about prophecy. So I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We'll start reading at verse 14 in a minute, but I want to tell you a story. Is that okay? Yes. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Very much. So Mark, let me just tell you this story. Okay? So. Now I want to acknowledge that some of you have heard this before, and, and, uh, and the reason i but the reason I'm telling it is because it's a good one. And number two, because it illustrates a lot of what I'm going to talk about today. So anyway, a few years ago, several years ago, probably more than I can want to acknowledge <laughs> years ago, I was visiting a friend's church, big church in Southern California, uh, multiple services over the weekend. I was attending one of those services, and there even at that one service, there were several hundred people. And I was sitting probably about where Noel is right there, maybe three, four rows back in the center section. And um, I had foolishly prayed this dangerous prayer on my way to that service today. I had, I had said, God, if there's any way you can use me today, I'm available. Dangerous prayer, man. Anyway, I'd forgotten all about it by the time we got in there and I found my seat. And, and we're standing like we all did a few minutes ago. We were worshiping the Lord and just telling him how much we love him. And, and I had that feeling that 
you know. It's like God tapping you on the shoulder. You know that there's, or in my case, more like a shove. You know, you kind of get this sense that God wants to do something. And in that moment, I was reminded of my foolish prayer that I had prayed earlier. And I'm thinking, oh, God, really? You're going to take me up on that now? And, and of course, he was insistent on that. So, you know, I'm, they're continuing to worship. And I'm thinking, well, okay, so what am I supposed to do? And there's nothing, just crickets. Nothing. But I still have that sense that God wants to do something. So we reach the, that point where we've concluded the song and the, we're about to go on to something else. We don't know if it's going to be, uh, you know, announcements or offering or the sermon, but it's that pregnant moment, that little space there, you know. And I know, I know, I know I'm supposed to do something. So everybody else sits down and I remain standing. <laughs> and I see my friend on the platform, the pastor, and I watch his eyes <laughs> go like that. And my heart is pounding. My hands are sweating. I got butterflies in my stomach because I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. And I, you know, if I could have, I would have chewed God out in that minute, but I didn't have time. <laughs> I... I, at the last minute, just before I, just before I said, I'm sorry, and sat down, <laughs> I felt like the Lord dropped these words in my mind. There's a woman here. Well, it was a mixed crowd. That would have been sort of obvious, right? But I, 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 I sensed it was from the Lord. And so that's what I said. I just opened my mouth and I said, there's a woman here. <laughs> and then I heard myself say, and you've come here today desperate. You're at, your, at the end of your rope. And God wants you to know that if you will trust him just a little longer, the thing you long for will come to pass. And then I sat down. And not only did I sit down, I sat as low as I could get. <laughs> because I was certain the ushers were on their way to haul me out of there. And I think the only reason they didn't is because my friend, the pastor, was on the platform. The service went on. I have absolutely no idea what happened after that because the entire rest of the service, I was scoping out the exits, trying to figure out which one was closest and how I could get out of my seat and there the fastest because I was going to make a quick escape before I had to try to explain myself. So my friend, when he finishes his sermon, he says, amen, God bless you, and I'm out of my seat, and I'm on my way. I have a plan. Before I can go one step, the, this person behind me grabs my shirt. So I turn around, and there's this woman, mascara everywhere, and she says, you have no idea. She said, I, I came here today to tell God I'm done with you. 
I, I'm a relatively new believer and I've been praying, begging God for my husband's salvation, that he would save my husband. And instead of coming to Christ, he has become more embittered towards him. And last night, in fact, last night, he slammed the door in my face and my kids and I slept, spent the night in our car. He told us never to come back. I came here today to say, God, I have poured out my heart before you and you aren't listening. I am done with you. And then you said what you said. God interrupted this service to talk to me. I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to give him my trust for a little longer. Well, then I did make a beeline to the first door I could get to, and I got out of there and pretty much forgot the whole thing until about a month later I was on the phone with my pastor friend, and he says, Randy, remember when you were here? Oh, yes, I, I do, and, uh, you know, can we just move on? And, and he says, well... He said, I know there was a woman who spoke to you after the service. I, you know, he didn't say so, but I figured he must, she must have talked to him afterwards. He said, I, I know, I, I mean, I talked with her. I, I know what happened. And he said, I wanted to tell you that, this is a month later, right? He said, I wanted to tell you that last week I had the privilege of baptizing her husband. He came to Christ. Things like that, dear ones. Make life amazingly wonderful. It doesn't have to be quite so dramatic, but every time God moves through you in a way that touches another life, oh, there isn't anything like that. Nothing. No accolade this world could ever give you, no amount of treasure in your bank account, no accomplishment that can equal the joy, the thrill, the pleasure of being a part of God's miraculous moving in loving people and caring for them. And we want our lives to be a lot more like that, filled with a lot more of that kind of thing. And the Bible says we can and that it's God's intention. Look at chapter 2 of Acts, verse um, 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Remember, this happens on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has been poured out and these disciples have been speaking in languages they never learned. And the city who is bulging, which is bulging with uh, pilgrims who are celebrating the Pentecost, they hear this handful of people in the upper rooms uh, worshiping God in languages they'd never learned. And they, they're drawn to it and they're perplexed by what's going on. Peter rises up and he says, verse 15, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he reminds these uh, Jewish people about the book in the Old Testament, the book of Joel, the prophet. He says, this, what's happening right now, this is what God said would happen. This shouldn't be a surprise. This is what God said would happen. And then he quotes, he says, from the book of Joel, he says, remember what it says there. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 now. We'll, actually, before you do that, hold on one second. Turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. So we're in the same book, just flip a few pages. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, a lot has transpired from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 13. And we're at now um, a place called Antioch where uh, there's a, a group of uh, believers and a church has been established and there's some leaders there who are seeking the Lord. We're going to kind of drop into that experience. Verse 13, now in the church that was at Antioch, there was certain prophets and teachers, were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul is the guy who had become Paul and uh, a leading light in the, in the New Testament. Uh, so these guys are all there. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but that is basically the definition of prophecy. God speaking. So there's these guys there, and they're seeking the Lord. They're fasting and praying, and it says, The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That's it. One sentence. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. What happens after that is the the exponential expansion of the church of Jesus Christ. These guys obey what the Holy Spirit said. They begin to travel the Roman world and before long, the church has transformed the Roman Empire. The Holy Spirit said, keep that in mind. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And while you do that, I'm going to give you a definition 1 Corinthians chapter 14, an expand, a little bit of an expanded definition of what prophecy or the gift of prophecy is. It is the supernatural, the supernatural enabling to speak for God. It's not something you cook up on your own. It's not something you, you make up. It's not something you uh, create. It's the supernatural enabling to speak for God. But I want you to think about that word supernatural a little bit differently. Instead of something that is beyond me, yes, it is beyond me and it's beyond you, but it's meant to be so natural that it is supernatural. It's supposed to be the way we live, that we are hearing from God through one another. Now, there we'll be talking about how that is a very safe thing. There's, there's security in that prophecy. We're not just supposed to accept any old thing that anybody says is from God. So we're going to talk about that. So don't get me wrong. But we are supposed to be hearing from God on a regular basis. He wants to speak to us. But I need to make a distinction. This, what we're talking about prophecy is 
a word from God, not the word of God. Huge difference. The word of God is this book that you have in your lap or on your screen before you. The inspired word of God. Prophecy is a word from God. A, a word, a, a supernaturally enabled word spoken into the conditions and circumstances of your present life that harmonizes, is in sync with, and doesn't violate in any way the word of God. That's the starting place of our safety net. If anything, if anyone ever says, I'm, you know, you, here's what God is saying to you, and it doesn't sound like this, reject it on the spot, out of hand. But that also gives us great safety to know that when God speaks into the circumstances of my life and it sounds like this, it is in sync with this, harmonizes with this, I can be open to hearing what God wants to say about my situation, my setting. Or you, you get what I'm saying. There's a big difference, but it's an important one. And we need to note it. I want to talk to you now about the priority of prophecy 1 Corinthians chapter 14, same chapter, same book, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Verse 5, same chapter. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more, that you prophesied. Verse 31, same chapter. For you all can, for, excuse me, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Did you hear that? For you can all prophesy. That's in the Bible. It's not some select group of people, the holy, holy, holy guys. This is all of us. God wants to use us powerfully. So this is a priority for God for us, not something that <clears throat> we're just sort of making up. This is God speaking. How many times does he have to say something? He's clear on this. I want to talk to you about the purpose of prophecy. And same chapter, uh, chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Did you see that? Edification, exhortation, comfort to men. If someone proclaims to be speaking from God and they aren't one of the, it isn't one of those three things or a combination of them, reject it. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us some really important stuff right there. Tells us what prophecy uh, its purpose is. What is edification? Well, edification means to establish or build. So when God is speaking, it will create a, a foundation, a platform you can build some aspect of your life on that's solid. It builds something, a platform, solid foundation. Or it builds, it, it um, increases, causes to move forward something God is in the process of constructing in your life. So that when God speaks, Edification means that he is either establishing a foundation or building upon a foundation that he's already laid having to do with his work in your life. What is exhortation? Well, exhortation means to summon or to stir. 
It's kind of like when the coach gets in your face and says, come on. You ever had those times in your Christian life when you needed somebody to say, come on, you can do it. Don't give up. That's what a word of prophecy can be at times, that summon or to stir. Like the Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he said, stir up the gifts that are in you by the laying on of my hands. We need that from time to time. And then there's comfort to console or to encourage. God speaks into those times of discouragement or desperation or depression even that you might be going through by his spirit. Oh, those words can secure your soul and comfort you in ways that nothing else can do. Those are the things that describe the purpose of prophecy. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when God is speaking to me and to you when he has to say, because he loves me, he has to say some things that are tough, some things that are difficult to hear. But they will never be condemning. They will always be lavished with layers of his great love. They will always be edifying, exhorting, comforting, always. If you've ever had that experience of someone who loves you deeply say the hard things to you, you know that even if it's not something you particularly want to hear, it's something you need to hear and you're not afraid to hear it because you know they love you. That's that's the way it is with God too. Now I want to just spend a few more minutes before I let you go today talking about uh, or beginning, we're not going to finish this today, um, beginning to talk about the presentation of a gift of prophecy. And I want to talk today about receiving a word of prophecy. Next week, we'll talk about how to offer it, how to give it. We're going to do nuts and bolts here, really very practical. Um, so receiving, giving or offering a, a, a prophetic word. And then we're going to also talk next week about judging how do we, what is the criteria by which we judge, other than what we've already talked about today, whether a word of prophecy is from God or not? So, <clears throat> receiving, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to talk to you about three words, invitation, inspiration, and initiation. Invitation. I told you earlier in that story that I shared that I, that I prayed a dangerous prayer on the way to that service that morning where I said, Lord, if there's any way you can use me, I'm available. Now, I have learned <clears throat> to, I made a little joke out of that, but I've learned to just, I try every time that I'm going to be in a situation where there are people I might have some influence with, some people I might interact with, to ask the Lord or make myself available to him and ask him to use me if he can. Now, if you want to sit this one out, you are welcome to. Just don't make yourself available. Just don't invite him to use you. But if you want to become a candidate for the kind of stuff that we read about in the book of Acts, it always begins with a simple, here I am, Lord. I got nothing to offer you, but here I am. Use me any way you can. That simple prayer will unlock so much of God's 
the moving of God's Spirit in your life, but it all begins there, and it can't be underestimated, the importance of it, the power of that invitation. Then there is inspiration. And this thing is so hard to define and so hard to describe, but it is that sense that I tried to talk about earlier where you feel like God is tapping you on the shoulder. You feel like God is setting you up to do something or say something. You may not know what yet, but you just have that sense that, oh, all right, <laughs> here it is, you know? And it's very, um, very undefined, but it is that it's hard to miss. And if you don't start getting familiar with that and acknowledging that, you know, it, I don't want to reduce it to, you know, uh, physical stuff, but there are, you know, sometimes, not always, but sometimes it feels like my palms are getting a little sweaty. Sometimes it feels like my heart starts to pound a little faster. That's not really the point, but paying attention to those, how the Lord starts to work with you. Look, in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about how there was the, there was the school of the prophets. Apparently, there's stuff to learn about how to start to move in this, how to you know, get used to the ways that God wants to use you. And it doesn't come like that overnight. It has to, you kind of develop a sense of what God's voice sounds like and how he, he moves. And so the only way to do that is by just kind of stepping out and give it, listen, God will never, ever, ever leave you out hanging out to dry. You don't need to be afraid. But there is an element of, you know, faith involved here and just stepping out. And the more you do it, the more you get used to, you know, what that, that inspiration moment feels like for you. But it's critically important so that you acknowledge it. Because you won't, if you don't, you won't be available for what comes next. And what comes next is the initiation. Now, initiation is like the like the key in the ignition, right? Turn that, you stick the key in the ignition, turn it, and then something begins to happen. Excuse me if I spit on you there just a minute ago. And so initiation is that, that thing, that, that starting point. For me, in the, in the last possible second before I sat down in defeat that day as I was talking to you earlier about that story, the the thing that popped in my mind was the key in the ignition, the initiation. There's a woman here. That's all I had, but that's the starting place. And if you're willing to take those, those keys and stick it in the ignition, something will follow. And that initiation could be a word, a single word. It could be a phrase like I have received. There's a woman here. It could be a, a mental picture that you get in your mind. I've told you some of those stories about things, the way the Lord speaks to me that way sometimes. It could be a scripture, a verse that just bubbles up out of your heart, something you've just read or you've committed to memory. The Lord brings back to your memory a scripture that begins to, to set the course of what you might say to someone or do. But those things, that variety of things, it's like, it's just the key. It doesn't come, look, if you're waiting for it to be fully formed, forget it. That will never happen. Because this is about faith and about a partnership with God. What you're going to get is just the key to stick in the ignition. But when you do, powerful things can happen. I asked Sue if she'd come and talk to you about 
um, a, a word of prophecy the Lord allowed her to offer to someone recently. Why don't you step up here, son, honey? Okay. Um, you know, we're old. <laughs> Let's just get real. Uh, We've been Christians a long time, and uh, when we first started stepping out in this, really, as teenagers, in a sense, that God wanted to use us, you know, it is subjective. It's to you, and Jesus is gentle with you, and he gives you peace, and, you know, I am all for when you hear what Randy's saying, what this, the Lord is speaking to you, I am all for saying, you know, I'm just keep getting this thought, and... I don't know if this registers with you. It might be the Lord and it might not be, but here. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We're all growing and learning, but we don't know unless we try. And if we want to move and see lives change, it takes that step of faith. And that's why I want to really encourage you that it's, it, you don't have to be super spiritual or super knowledgeable of God's word, though it definitely helps. And you know, that's a priority in our hearts. But I, we have a lot of stories. That's what I was saying, we're old. We have a million stories by this time in our life and some really amazing ones. And I had a bunch all lined up what Randy asked me to share, but literally yesterday something happened and that's what I'm sharing and it culminated today, this morning before I even came to first service. And what the deal was is about a year ago, there's a church, um, a significant church in Danville called East Bay Fellowship. And they asked me to speak at their women's conference last year in March. And um, at the outset of that conference, uh, there's two, over 200 women, and they were spread around the auditorium. It's probably about three times the size of this room. And I just felt so prompted. I was to take time. And as I walked through the room, there were a few people that I just felt like God impressed me. I just knew something about them or something that he wanted to share with them. Also, at the end of the conference, um, it was an all-day thing, uh, people wanted prayer. And I had a line of about 25 people that I prayed for. It was crazy. I was there for a couple hours afterwards. And um, not that I'm not spiritual or anything. You have to get that. But God was at work. And yesterday, East Bay Fellowship asked me to do their ladies' breakfast, just a little half-hour thing for them. And afterwards, one of the women that came up to me, she said, do you remember me? And quite honestly, I did not. And uh, the more she talked, she said, you know, my name is Sandra, blah, blah, blah. And I realized, yes, I have a Facebook devotional page, and she had liked it. And I see that she follows my posts quite frequently. And then I remembered her. She said, do you remember that you had a word for me? You had a word of prophecy for me. Do you remember what was I had no remembrance. She said that I came up to her, and I, so I think she was at the beginning of that meeting. And she said, I stopped with her. And I just said, you know, just take this with a grain of salt. But I just sense that you have just gone through a major disappointment. I had no idea who this one was. Never met her before. You have just suffered something that's really broken your heart. But I sense, and I, I you know, I know my heart and I know the way I speak. I, just what Randy said, a, kind of a hard word spoken in love. But the Lord wants you to give it up. It is time to give up this disappointment and not harbor it anymore. Because what he is sharing with me to tell you is, you're holding on to a moldy bologna sandwich. And he can't give you the feast he wants to give you until you let go of this. 
He has filet mignon. He has lobster thermidor. He has cheesecake. He has all these, this wonderful thing in store for you. But you're holding on. And he ever so gently says to you, it's time to let go and let me give you the feast. She said, I knew immediately what that was when you spoke that to me. She said, my boyfriend, who I really thought was the one, the one God had given me to spend the rest of my life with, had just broken up with me. I didn't know anything about this. She said, I was holding on to that. I was holding on to him. I was harboring it. I was thinking about it. And, you, and the Lord spoke to you saying, you know, it's time to let it go because I've got something better. And she goes, I had a hard time believing there could be anything better because anyone better because I love this guy so much and I thought he was so wonderful. But she said, I did. I was obedient to what you said. It bore witness with my heart. And by that, I mean, it, it felt right. I knew it was the right thing to do. And she said, six months later, I met a wonderful man. And this man so far exceeds my hopes and expectations, my dreams, than the first guy. And he is a pastor. In fact, even tomorrow, which is today, he's going to be uh, installed as one of the associate pastors at East Bay Fellowship. And about a month ago, he said to me, Sandra, what would you think about being a pastor's wife? And she said, this thrills my heart. And this morning, I, it already went off my screen, but I can show, I'd love to show you. It's on here. She sent me a Facebook message. It's a picture of her with this guy, and she's got her hand up like this, and with a ring on it. And she said, my filet mignon pastor <laughs> just asked me to marry him. That is exciting. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. all I can say. And if you want to see the picture on So I'm going to ask you to stand with me now as we wrap this up. <clears throat> and uh, as I said, next week we'll talk more about uh, how to offer a gift of prophecy and the criteria by which we judge prophecy. And then we'll be moving on to deal with the rest of the gifts of the Spirit in the, in the days ahead. God is up to something among us, and uh, I'm grateful that you're along with me on this journey. Can you imagine what the world would be like if the people of God prayed that dangerous prayer on a regular basis? Let's find out. This is recording number 11197 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, January 24, 2016. This is the fourth message in a series titled, Empower the Spirit-Filled Life. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Power to Communicate, Part 2.